0: On a snowed-in edition of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, we're taking a look at the region we love. Join us as we explore the ever-changing landscape of New England pro wrestling.
1: It's what we know, Mike. It's what we love. And hey, I think it's what our fans
0: love, too. I think so. So we're going to get into it today. Plus, we've got a brand new game for you. Or it's just an old favorite that's been rebranded. But anyway, your promo about nothing coming after that and so much more. But first, tell them, George. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word, nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dimension? This is the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, episode 144, a production of Crackpot Podcasts. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. And joining me, as always, is a veteran of the New England Independent Matt Wars. Now, he is a Ring of Honor wrestler. He is Minster Inside Edition. Thank God he doesn't wrestle in New England anymore. It's the kingpin, Brian Malonis.
1: I know. Lately, it feels like uh, I'm not wrestling in New England all that much.
0: You aren't. You aren't. But you, know, you come back every now and again to chaotic wrestling for one.
1: Yeah, chaotic wrestling, northeast wrestling here and there, beyond wrestling once in a while, you know.
0: You make the rounds. You do make the rounds. But you are getting outside of the region, far outside the region. We'll talk about that a bit later. But before that, want the people to travel to brianmalonis.com and visit your website.
1: I think it's uh, a wonderful time too. It's been snowy, everybody's been sick, including myself. I think it would be a nice uh, pick me up for the kingpin as I battled the flu this past week. Uh, if I saw a few sales come through that website, there's lots of great t-shirts over there.
0: All donations made will go towards uh, Robotassin. Am I correct? <laughs> yeah, yeah. At
1: this at this point, huh? Hey, I also want people to go visit astromanialsw.com, Mike. Pick up their tickets for the great wrestling event that uh, I, along with Liberty States Wrestling and the Pinkerton Academy uh, Class of 2019 of Derry, New Hampshire, are putting on. That's March the 30th, Saturday night. Tickets start at just $15. So go visit astromanialsw.com as well. That'll make me feel better too.
0: You jumped the gun on me. I was about to call you a little later on the worst promoter of all time because it's been, I think, two or three weeks since you've promoted your own show here on your podcast. Well, you step all
1: over me all the time, so sometimes it's hard to get a word in edgewise.
0: All right. Well, I guess uh, I guess it's my fault. So, <laughs> astromanialsw.com to get tickets for the big show March 30th coming to Derry, New Hampshire. And the best way to keep track of what's going on with the WPAN is through our own website, the thewpan.com. That is the thewpan.com. It's our hub. It's our home base. It's the website that gets you all the information you need about the wrestling podcast, about nothing. You can find ways to subscribe to the podcast there, including now on iHeartRadio. You can follow us through iHeartRadio and get the podcast each every week. Find the ways to uh, follow our social media. We are basically at the WPAN on all social media platforms. So find us wherever you socially mediaize... That's definitely not a word, but go find us on Twitter, Facebook, wherever else, at the WPAN, and you can get the links right there at the website, the thewpan.com, plus our biographies, photos of our illustrious careers throughout uh, the history of New England, as we'll get into in mere moments, all at the thewpan.com. Brian, this past week on the WWE Network, which I, uh, as of... Two days ago, I'm no longer a subscriber to. Of course. My uh, subscription lapsed, uh, unfortunately. Big shock. But before I was shut out of the network, something was released. It was a hidden gem, or a couple of hidden gems, I should say. And they were all related to people we know in New England Wrestling.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I kind I of got, uh, got the scoop on this <laughs> um, before it became official official, but uh, very cool for them to go dig up some things on uh, some old friends of ours who appeared several times each, I think, on uh, various forms of WWE television and or dark matches.
0: Right. They had a full episode of Velocity that went up on the Hidden Gems section that included two matches on the show. Actually, three, if you want to really dig deep in New England wrestling lore. You had Tommaso Whitney, was the name he went by, versus Hooli Russell on the show.
1: I don't know. My Hidden Gems is not updated. I don't have those on there.
0: Really? Yeah. So it was Tommaso Whitney, that's the name he went by on Velocity against uh, someone who's not coming to mind right now, but I do remember that it was Todd Henson, I think it was Henson on this episode, versus Doug Basham of the Basham Brothers, so that is a episode of Velocity that uh, just popped up on Hidden Gems, also... Tommaso's first match under a WWE deal, his first WWE deal. He showed up in OVW, Ohio Valley Wrestling, early in the 2000s, was released after less than a year. Of course, rebuilt himself up on the independents and ended up back there. But his first match under a WWE deal, his original WWE deal, was from Ohio Valley Wrestling Television against Jamin uh, Olivencia. I... the name is, uh, I I have the name on my head, I I don't know if I pronounced it correctly, but that is up there as well the third thing up on uh, for the Hidden Gems is a dark match from the TD Garden, it might have been the Fleet Center at the time I'm pretty sure it was the Fleet Center at the time with Brian Black who we also know from New England Wrestling who fans might know who was briefly in WWE as Palmer Cannon who was the UPN like liaison to... The uh, SmackDown program, so you might have seen him. He never actually wrestled on WWE television, but he was a character. He was, uh, I think, about to be signed at that time. So it was Brian Black who basically had a match. We talked about this with Hanson the first time we talked to him on the wrestling podcast about nothing very early on in our run. And we talked about this match. Brian Black was getting a dark match, and he could pick anybody he wanted to have that dark match with. And he picked... Hansen, who was at the time Todd Hansen, that match is actually up there now on the WWE Network, a hidden gem and really interesting. Of course, it's a a very like extremely solid but basic pro wrestling match. You know, a couple of uh flashy moves at the end there, but it did probably what those guys in WWE wanted them to do just like six minute match, just uh, get the crowd warmed up a little bit. And they want to see what Brian black had to offer. That was the match. And that match really got me thinking about today's subject. So you said you didn't get to see any of these matches.
1: I just, I saw the clip of a very white meat baby face, uh, <laughs> handsome Johnny jumping up and down and dancing all around. Very excited to be there. Uh, so I did see that piece of it.
0: Yeah. And Todd, uh, Makes no apologies for the fact that he was a very big Mr. Perfect fan. So the singlet has the like the little arrow in the back or like a triangle in the back that's very reminiscent of Mr. Perfect's gear and just a slender fella, clean shaven. And yes, he was very excited to be there just jumping up and down and getting the fans behind him. Of course, he used the baby face in the match, Brian Black the heel. Go check this out on the Hidden Gems, but it really got me thinking about the entire evolution of how New England wrestling got to be what it is today, it's definitely far different from when you started Brian and when I started as well,
1: yeah. and I think we we talked about, and it was it's no kind of secret at this point. and everybody who's listened to this podcast or who's been around new england wrestling and 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 for those new listeners, I guess we can explain a little more. but kind of the at the, this early two thousands, you know, really, probably through the Close to, what, 20, you know, 2009, 2010, 2011, uh, the road to WWE through New England really ran through chaotic.
0: Before that, it was Killer Kowalski. So if you wanted to get booked as an extra, I don't even think it was called an extra at this time, but if you wanted to get booked to do jobs, because in the 90s, the 80s and 90s, that's what it was, Superstars and Challenge. Everyone remembers that it was just an endless string of no name guys versus wrestling stars. When they were in the New England area, WWE would call Killer Kowalski. And you if you wanted to get on those shows, you had to be a Kowalski student, essentially. Very few guys outside of you know Killer Kowalski's sphere ever got on WWE television to do these jobs. But eventually, Kowalski kind of slowed down a bit. He merged with Chaotic Wrestling. But even before that, Chaotic Wrestling very aggressively sought out a partnership with, with the WWE and really opened up the lines of communication. So it became, if you were a chaotic guy, that was the way to get uh, on WWE TV. Exactly. And that's that's why people went there.
1: And for better or for worse, it, it, it was what it was. Um, I mean, we've talked a little bit about the, the history of it and the people who ran developmental and how they like to do things. You know, Tom Pritchard, wanted to just be able to give somebody a call and have them fill fill his needs and he forged a really great relationship with chaotic wrestling came in for camps uh, evaluated some of the talent and and there was a there's a real big trust built up between WWE and, and Chaotic and knowing that, you know, whatever they sent them was going to be quality, not, you know, they wouldn't have to worry about some of the issues that they probably face um, all over the country and some of the things that we've seen as well from some non-Chaotic guys.
0: So, of course, we talked about how Chaotic Wrestling and Kowalski eventually came together. We talked about that on the two-part Kowalski episodes that we did in August of this past year. Go ahead and look those up. Even before... You were around, Brian. You started with Chaotic Wrestling and the Chaotic Wrestling School, the Chaotic Training Center. When I started coming around, before I was in the business, per se, I started in 98 actually getting in the ring. But before that, I was uh, around in 91 is when I first started coming around. And Holy shit, are you old. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was a sophomore in high school. People could do the oh math. My God, I was 10 years old.
1: not even for the majority of 1991 i was nine years old so oh my goodness
0: so i first started going to kowalski shows i saw something in the paper there was a wrestling column in the sunday herald and we saw that the show was in town it was run by killer kowalski we went and kowalski i would say is the only game in town when it comes to um massachusetts Proper, I would say, I mean, especially up and down the coastline of Massachusetts, Kowalski's was the place. And when I started going around Kowalski's, you heard about New Bedford, which was at the time Yankee Pro Wrestling. Now is known as Top Rope Promotions, but uh, it was Yankee Pro at the time. And you also heard about Nashua, which was ringside wrestling, Bruiser Costa, a.k.a. Lobster Man, which we talked about with Sonny Goodspeed a month or two ago. Those were kind of the three main hubs of New England wrestling back in the early 90s. It was three islands, essentially. No one crossed between these three places. And if you did, you were barred from the other. <laughs> it's, it's, and I remember a, a situation where there were two guys who were Kowalski trained. One was named uh, Bill Wilcox and the other was Freight Train Fulton. And they ended up working for a promotion, I believe, called UCW. was run by a man named John McAdam, who actually has a podcast called Stick to Wrestling. You can go and check that out. But he ran a promotion in the early 90s. And these two guys who were new to the scene in New England, uh, Kowalski-trained guys, they ended up going and doing these UCW shows, and they were barred from all Kowalski promotion stuff. They were kicked out of the school. It was a whole to-do. And Bill Wilcox actually is somewhat infamous in the later 90s, ended up having a match with the Lightning Kid, aka Sean Waltman, the one, two, three kids, six, X-Pac. And Wilcox ended up knocking him out legit. So he kind of started to get a reputation as an unsafe worker. So Bill Wilcox, one of the original indie darlings in the vein of reckless youth, but ended up getting a pretty bad reputation as being ironically reckless himself and injuring uh, the Lightning Kid. So Wilcox, you didn't really hear much from him after that, but that's kind of the way wrestling was. These three islands, you had your Kowalsi guys, you had your Yankee pro guys, you had your ringside wrestling guys, and never... Shall people cross from one to another and when i actually started getting in the ring which was with nwa new england not with kowalski it was nwa new england but at that time tony rumble who ran nwa new england kind of uh ingratiated himself with killer kowalski and kowalski after a time ended up uh kind of giving his blessing to tony rumble to also run shows because Kowalski's shows uh he had those sold shows where he would run high school gyms do a lot of benefits uh, all around massachusetts all year long those were slowly starting to dry up so kowalski i think thought that you know his guys needed more work and they weren't working as much so he gave his blessing for guys to do stuff with tony rumble and i know uh My friends John Rodeo, Steve King ended up working for NWA New England. Your trainers, Dukes Dalton, Mike Hollow started working for NWA New England. It started opening up a little bit, but by the time I ended up going to Chaotic Wrestling after leaving NWA New England and leaving kind of wrestling altogether for like a year, the barrier started to go back up again when it came to Chaotic Wrestling. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think it was. I I know Jamie on his podcast. Uh, I feel like he denies it and admits to it all in the same <laughs> same breath. Breath, yeah. Like it's you know either deny it or own up to it. But yeah, I mean, there, everything was was pretty siloed. I, I don't think it was a strict like. The only one that became like a strict if you work here you don't work there was WFA and and chaotic, but there you know there was some crossover but yeah especially with us you know and I, and I guess I can only really speak for us at chaotic um, definitely they didn't want us going a lot of other places.
0: Well, famously, it was said that some of these shows were typical indie garbage, right? That was the <laughs> terminology used.
1: Yeah, yeah, e- exactly, and. Uh, you know, and at that, at that, you know, hindsight being what it is, I mean, everybody can look back and, and well, I don't know, not everybody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> again, Jamie, I don't think, uh, looks back at it. But, you know, at the time I went with it, and now I look back at it, it's like, yeah, I might have been better off, you know, taking fewer bumps and actually working shows than taking like 200 bumps a night at, <laughs> at the wrestling school. But it is what it is. And there was a lot of looking down our noses at what else was out there in New England. Um, some of it. You know, with good reason, I think.
0: And you got really your first push, your first main events, not under a Chaotic Wrestling banner, right? You went up to Maine. Right, yeah.
1: Um, I started working for Tony Atlas. Um, I think I had met Tony through working, uh, I want to say it was uh, UCW, which was, which was Ali Muhammad's promotion. I feel, I feel like
0: it's been a lot of UCWs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is Anthony Rufo, Ali Muhammad, his, his promotion. And I want to say like, I, I get connected with Tony Atlas through that. Maybe, Mm -hmm. um, I don't remember exactly. I'd, I'd actually met Tony years earlier when my buddy used to wrestle, but
0: was it something where Gina Martino recommended you? Maybe.
1: It, it, it very well might have been. It yeah, it might have been something like something. It was definitely some sort of connection with Gino and Ali, who both helped me, uh, helped me a ton early on, but I ended up starting to do shows for uh, Atlas. I think I had done one of his his awful TV tapings, uh, and then shortly thereafter got booked for a show in Bridgeton, Maine, which was actually against Tony uh, in the main event. So yeah, my first my first ever wrestling pro wrestling main event was. In Bridgeton, Maine, on a uh, very snowy, uh, terrible day, there was maybe 15 or 20 fans there. Oh, man. Very historic day for me, personally. I guess so. Is there any video footage of this? I I highly doubt it. I, I've never seen any. Um, you pray there isn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, funny, funny thing is, I'm sure it was fine. You know, I mean, Tony has his kind of standard... Match, you know, like it, he he doesn't really deviate too much from it, and it's all the most basic stuff on earth. So, hip toss, hip toss, big slam. Yeah, yeah. If you've had three days of pro wrestling training, you could, you could wrestle Tony Atlas and get through a match. But, uh, I was crapping my pants because he hadn't really talked to me. And then, just as about our music is about to hit, he goes, Oh, kid, we didn't talk about anything, did we? I forgot. So, I'm just like, (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. He's like, You'll be fine.
0: (laughs) And And then I went out. So he walks you through it in the ring.
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't remember much about the match other than that spot, and and then he slammed me for the finish. That was about it. Um, we went out for pizza afterwards. Ah, not wrong with that. Yeah, uh, myself. Um, um, well, she was my girlfriend at the time, uh, and I. I want to say there's somebody else with us I might have been my brother uh, that we all we helped a ring crew and all that and, and and then Tony brought us out for pizza so
0: it must have been Tony's driver because Tony always had uh someone with him who was driving him I don't know that he drove so it was uh either that referee kid
1: yeah the lefty the lefty ref there
0: I'm sure he was a part of it
1: he was he I'm pre- I know he was part of it he was uh he was our referee
0: Tony, it's so it's funny because I think Michael Quinn of the OVP podcast thinks you were trained by Tony Atlas because you've talked about how you had your uh, early matches with uh, Tony Atlas's promotion. So somehow in his head, it's that you're you were trained by Tony Atlas. So
1: <laughs> I mean, it's you know Tony Tony definitely. I spent a lot of time with Tony in the beginning, so it's I mean. To say that he definitely had a a positive impact on my career would be, would be appropriate. Now, is he my trainer? No, but he certainly has had a positive uh, impact on my career. So much so that Tony liked. I mean, it was it was, it's always cool. I think, especially early on, when when somebody like that takes a liking to you and kind of. Pulls you under their wing, uh, so to speak, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Because years later, when I went to TV and Tony was there doing the managing spot with Mark Henry, uh, we were wrestling around in the afternoon. Tony had noticed that I hadn't had a chance to get in yet. He cleared out the two guys who were in there, got me in the ring with him, and then was bumping around for me. (laughs) So much so that Mark Henry was yelling at him. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy, crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's always... Good stuff, though, when when somebody like that takes a liking to you.
0: So, I mean, you talked about Chaotic not really being keen on taking these outside bookings. When you took these bookings with Tony Atlas and came back to Chaotic, was there any heat there?
1: No, I think that, I mean, I I don't think so. Nothing, Nothing was ever said to me. You know, just just the passive aggressive stuff that they would talk about in training, or you kind of mention like, "Oh, I have a show this weekend where," and oh, he's roll roll your eyes. they you know whoever you tell would roll, roll their eyes, and oh, this guy thinks he's a big shot now. He's working shows <laughs> like you know, just the typical kind of balagna, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you mentioned that they didn't really outright not allow you to work other shows, but. That carrot was always dangled. The WWE, if you want to get to TV, it's through us, and we make the recommendations of who goes. So, if uh, you go and do these other shows, maybe that carrot won't be there for you, right?
1: I mean, yeah, it was yeah, play by our play by our rules sort of thing. And I, but I think it's one of those things too. If you were somebody who like myself, where I did the did the ring cruise, I showed up the class every day, uh, I did all the other things that were required of me. It was more like frowned upon than anything, you know?
0: Yeah. And so we're talking about Atlas Championship Wrestling in Maine. Can you contrast Atlas Championship Wrestling, you wrestling Tony Atlas in the main event in front of 15 people to wrestling for Limitless Wrestling in, you know, 2017?
1: I mean, it's it's night and day. I mean, we, I mean we've joked about it, but Maine Wrestling was bad, man. Yes. Like, it was like... I mean, I, I felt like it was like backyard or central. You know, there was all these guys who were pro wrestlers up there, and nobody knows who to unless you were trained by like Tony. Nobody knows who the hell else trained you. You know, it's like who? You know, it was just these random, <laughs> random people, and it, it was just so. It, it was. It was so bad. Tony's shows were just terrible. Um,
0: <laughs> I mean, you got in the main event like uh, a month into training, so I tells you everything you <laughs> need to know.
1: Yeah, they were they were awful shows. Um, I mean, they'd be like four, or five hours long because they were TV, to TV tapings, and and he had he actually had TV pretty wide spread over the state of Maine. And I don't know if it was. Public access, and he just had somebody deliver the tapes or something. But he had, I mean, he had the state pretty covered as far as TV went. But they'd also do a lot of like, they'd train guys in the afternoon and they'd wrestle on the show that evening. Like it was just really really terrible never a lot of people there nothing to really you know to really speak of just terrible stuff uh you know but it was an opportunity as a young guy to get in front of a crowd however small it was and uh, tony was pretty good for the most part with uh you know, he'd pair guys who could work, uh, or at least like the guys who like came together from like Chaotic. You know, I seem to remember working a lot of guys from Chaotic, unless he, he'd give me his squashes occasionally because of how big I was. And then he uh, Amanda Storm, who was his champion, squashed me once and then he yelled at me about it. <laughs> but,
0: Wait, he booked it though, right?
1: Well, no, I guess he didn't want the match exactly like that. And she just beat the hell out of me and uh, I let her do it. And he yelled at me for letting her do it, not just turning it around on her and beating her. I got you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm not going to beat up a lady, you know? <laughs> like, right. You know, I'm like 400 pounds. She was like, you know, Amanda Storm was a bigger, rugged girl. I'm not saying she wasn't tough or anything, but if I just like fell on her, like she's not getting up.
0: So contrasting that experience with the, the experience in 2017 with Limitless Wrestling.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I think it's night and day. I think... Um, Randy, there with Limitless, has you know uh, he brings in talent from all over the place. First off, like he just doesn't rely on you know guys from that very small constant. You know, Maine's like this big state, but there's you know like twenty people there. Um, so there, though, there is some talent from the state of Maine. A lot of the talent comes from all over the country, and and it's well run, it's well promoted, and I and I don't know if his desire to do that was born out of him growing up and <laughs> having to bear witness to what Maine wrestling was. Yeah, I can't, I can't imagine him going to independent shows as a kid. It, it baffles me that he got inspired to uh, to run his own promotion after what was going on up in Maine for so long. An- another problem, I will say, with the state of Maine, and that also helps a guy like Randy, is the elimination of the Athletic Commission. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a big thing. Yeah, it was 65 bucks for a license up there. Oof. Yeah, it was it was terrible. Sixty five bucks for a license, which for a promoter running a show or for bringing in all these guys that you're, you know, I'd go up there for fifteen or twenty bucks for Alice, and uh, you know, every year I'd have to dish out sixty five bucks for uh, for a license because he wasn't covering it.
0: Yeah, that is a big uh, expense that is no longer there. But I actually did read an article. uh, There was an article over the weekend. I think the banger daily news up in maine about uh randy carver and limitless wrestling and yeah he was actually a ring announcer on some of these uh shows in maine that were (laughs) just the the dregs of maine wrestling and he was inspired to make something of wrestling in maine and he really has he says that there's only really three or four guys from the state of maine actually usually on his shows so yeah he has to go outside the uh The general area to bring people in but he's drawing like three or four hundred according to the article all of his shows for limitless wrestling it's really changed up there and he's a big reason for it
1: yeah he's doing a great job I mean, there's no way he just based on his age there was ever ring announcer for me up there because i had i had a very long absence from i wrestled in maine so much early on and then i took a very 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 long break from going to maine because i just couldn't do the goddamn drives to Maine and he driving, you know, and, and no offense to anybody from the state of Maine, but yes, you know, like Portland and that area. Totally cool. But once you get past that area, man, it is like the wilderness. And there's, I mean, those drives are just, I, I, I did it a couple of years ago, for for limitless when they used to run up in Orono and, and, uh, oh my God, there's just, there's just nothing. You travel five hours and you're still in new England. It's insanity and you don't see anything, but like, Trees and moose shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, up there in uh Bahaba.
1: It's yeah, uh, that's my that's my rant on Maine.
0: <laughs> yeah, Maine, oh my goodness, is it was I mean, we did stuff for NWA on fire and I mean it was a mix of Maine talent and a lot of talent that is uh, driving up from New Jersey, New York, Massachusetts, but because the shows were run by the Savoldis, who are based out of New Jersey they needed a talent on the ground in Maine to help promote those shows. So they would book a bunch of Maine guys who could go out there and put up posters and whatnot. So, I mean, there is some Maine talent. I mean, a lot of the Maine talent just it wasn't up to snuff, but it was a necessary evil to get the word out about those shows. But Randy Carver, of course, based in Maine, so it's uh, a lot easier to kind of weed those guys out when you're running shows like Limitless.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, you got to keep your cost down by using local guys. But I mean, Randy's going for something very, very different up there.
0: So Kingpin, since you started Chaotic Wrestling, uh, Atlas Wrestling, how has it changed getting booked? Uh, for shows in the New England area. I know originally, I mean, you talked about how Gino Martino and Ali Muhammad helped you out and probably got you hooked up with Atlas. That was a lot of it back in the day. It was someone who knows someone who, who books you, right? It wasn't, I mean, there's no way really YouTube in its infancy at that time, there's no way really to send someone a link at that time and say, hey, check out my shit. It was basically you had to know somebody, right, to get booked.
1: Yeah, it was yeah, a couple of different ways. I mean, one it was, you know, somebody on a show or somebody knows somebody and they ask like, "Hey, I need somebody that looks like this or fills this sort of spot and oh yeah, hey, I know of this guy and you kind of get booked that way." And the other was really the big way and I think the majority of us got booked on shows this way it was just couple of your buddies are booked and you travel with them and you go meet the promoter and you put up the ring and you tear down the ring and you do security or do that and you keep doing that a few times and eventually if you show your face enough um you know maybe you get a try uh, hey somebody didn't show up you, you got your stuff with you yep i got my gear with me in the car all right cool Hey, there's a battle royal you get thrown into that and it just kind of would snowball from there you know or you're on a show you actually do get a booking and you're on a show with a person who runs, you know, with, with with the promoter of another promotion. And it really was just word of mouth. And man, I don't remember a lot of like sending tapes to people locally. You know, I don't remember that being a real big part of it. A lot of it was just word of mouth going to meet people. And, and that's how you got booked.
0: And that still does happen today. I know Bob Evans is a big proponent of that. Uh, you know, hopping in the car with somebody who's heading to a show and trying to get booked. But, uh, Let's talk about overall the New England wrestling landscape uh you know back when you started and I started to now I think I mean have a lot of smaller promotions kind of died out or am I just not seeing them out there?
1: no I mean they're there and and I and I it's funny I feel like lately I've become aware of a new promotion like every week so I think I think they do exist um I think we are just. Acutely, much less aware <laughs> of such things because of the points we are in our lives. That's kind of my take on it. Um, I think there is more schools than we realize are out there. Um, there's certainly no shortage of places to work. Uh, you know, there's a shortage of probably quality places to work. But you know, I think of uh, there's uh, a building in Rhode Island that ha- has a school that like eight different promotions run out of. So I mean, there there are promotions up the yin-yang like there there always was. There was a stretch where a lot of them dried up and disappeared, but there are certainly no shortage of promotions that pop up. And if you want to work for free and not on a very good show, then you're not going to have a hard time finding a place, I don't think.
0: Have at it. But I think the gap is widening. Would you say between these small promotions that you really don't hear or see much about and the promotions like Uh, limitless wrestling like chaotic wrestling like beyond wrestling i mean we've talked about this i don't even know if you were here i talked about it with brian fury i think they crossed 1 million subscribers on youtube they can basically finance a show through their ad revenue from youtube it's amazing but i think the gap has certainly widened between the low end shows and the high end shows would you agree with that
1: Oh yeah, I think I think without question there's a few companies that have really separated themselves. I mean, I think Chaotic has always been and will will continue to remain as one of the top promotions in New England. Um you know, but I mean, amongst amongst them or uh, beyond, like you mentioned, and we already talked about Limitless, but they're there. I mean, Beyond is the is the one that really stands out. I mean, they have the second most YouTube followers of any pro wrestling channel. Like in the like, the only one with more than them is WWE, which is pretty incredible when you think about it. The the reach and the notoriety that guys get and then when you think about where talent from beyond wrestling goes i mean just look at a card from nxt i mean um i think i've talked about it before but i have been on a beyond wrestling show and i've only been around beyond wrestling for less than three years but i've been on a, a beyond show that included all of the following guys tommaso champa johnny gargano drew gulak matt riddle keith lee uh chris hero uh, the list goes. The list goes on and on. Uh, Donovan Dijak, Um who <laughs> Dominic DiJakovic. Okay, <laughs> but I, I've been on a Beyond Wrestling show that every single one of those guys and more were all on. So what they're doing is incredible. Of course, there's uh, there's Northeast Wrestling, which is you know when you're talking about shows that you know like kind of like big shows you know lots of people stadium shows name talent um i think northeast is the top one when it comes to that in new england um the the names that they work with and the stadiums that they run so you get all these promotions based in you know based in new england um but those ones the, top, the tippy top ones really stick out and i'm sure there's a couple more that are slipping my mind and it's not you know i don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings or leave anybody off the list or anything like that but uh you know, some really incredible stuff going on.
0: I mean, and you mentioned all the guys from beyond wrestling going to NXT, the ease, I mean, I wouldn't say it's easy, but the ease seemingly with which people get signed from, I mean, especially the New England area, we talked about before how New England was like, not, not a wasteland, uh, but just not on top of minds of wrestling fans, you know, nationally, but just the amount of people from, This area who have gotten the call to NXT, to ROH, to Impact, to, you know, contracted talent, the amount of talent that's come out of New England... I mean, the exposure New England has in this day and age, thanks to especially Beyond Wrestling with their million subscribers on YouTube, it's it's just been amazing.
1: Yeah, and I think that's you know that's the biggest difference that when we talk about it. it's it's not so much the ease of getting signed, it's the ease of being discovered. Right. Um. You know, if you had a really good match, you know, if this was 2005, and you had a had a really good match, even if it was a place like a chaotic wrestling, or if it was a place like in ECW. The distribution of that match uh, would, it would be much tougher. A lot of it would be driven on you taking that tape and sending it to the places you wanted to to see it. And now we live in a day and an age where something gets posted, um, and and it's not even like you have to be like acutely aware of this person because people who are could find the match. You know, beyond, you have a good matchup beyond it goes up on their YouTube. Some people see it, and get really excited about it. it. Starts, you know, they start sharing it on social media, which gets other people who maybe even never heard of you to watch it. And all of a sudden, it builds and builds and builds. And uh, you know, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this person becomes kind of a sensation overnight. And that's how it builds. You know, I think of uh, the rise of kind of, of Keith Lee. You know, over the course of like a year, uh, and he's talked about it. You know, he came up, did a Beyond show, had a great match with Dijak. Got brought back, uh, started getting booked with Evolve because of that. More eyes on him there. A year later, he's in, you know, a year and a half later, he's in WWE and getting pushed to the moon on NXT.
0: And having matches, main eventing, smaller NXT shows with Dominic Dajakovic or Dajakovic.
1: Yeah, so I mean, like I said, it's
0: not—it's not so much
1: the ease of getting signed; it's just the ease of discovery. You know, it's—it's it's much easier to get eyeballs on on what you're doing, especially if, if you do it well or, or something. You know, hits and you know have a really good match, or it's—it's it's just much easier to get eyeballs on on your brand.
0: And bringing it all back around to hansen uh where we started here with the hidden gem of hansen having a dark match in 2002 against brian black at the fleet center in boston massachusetts the fact that he's had his first match on a wwe or any wwe ring 2002 and he gets signed in 2018 and it, it was like he's an overnight sensation you know 16 years later it's amazing that uh all it took was... I mean, all it took. But uh, he he formed that tag team with Ray Rowe, and they got out there, they got a buzz, they got a name for themselves, went to Japan, ROH did all these things, and here they are now in NXT, 16 years after that fresh-faced kid with the Mr. Perfect singlet was uh, opening the show at the Fleet Center in Boston.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a guy who... Never gave up, and and when he got that, all he needed was that little crack in the door open, and that little crack in the door open was the top prospect tournament, and he kicked the friggin' thing in, and you know the rest has been history so far.
0: Go back and check out the hidden gems. You can see Hanson, you can see Tommaso early on, just look like completely different people, but uh, they certainly kind of made the most of their. New opportunities here in uh, NXT. Of course, uh, Hanson and Rowe going for the tag team titles with the Undisputed Era next weekend for TakeOver Phoenix. So we see what happens with that. Tommaso on the card as well. That's going to be interesting to see. So eh, it's just uh, amazing how far uh, New England wrestling in general has come. Yes, sir. I mean, perseverance is everything, Mike. You gave up too early, buddy. That's the story of my life, Brian. So we want your feedback. Tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter with your take on this week's episode, your thoughts on the landscape of New England wrestling from you know, the 80s to now. Use that hashtag WPAN. We really want to hear your thoughts on this. And the best way to do so is calling the voicemail line. Call 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-9726. W-P-A-N. Get your voice on this podcast. And speaking of podcasts, how about Booking the Territory with Mike Mills, Howard Buddy Harper, and Doc Turner. They put out two podcasts a week. Sundays it's the Smoky Mountain Show. Thursdays it's their flagship show where they're looking at the old Saturday Night 605 show. MikeMills.Podbean.com for the latest from Booking the Territory. Also, how about our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast with Joe Morata and Michael Quinn. Each and every week they're looking at the best of classic wrestling they're talking about the best announcers in wrestling history in their royal ranking segment who's your number one announcer ever Brian oh you know I, 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 oof, that's a tough one
1: um I mean I think I think nostalgia will rule out and uh I'm gonna say Vince McMahon wow uh, just yeah I, I think you know when I when I think of my childhood and everything and um you know it's, it'd be either him or gorilla you know one in one a there for me. So it's close.
0: It's a neck-and-neck neck race.
1: Yeah, and, and again, that's nostalgic sort of feeling, like soundtrack of my uh, of my youth sort of thing. Again,
0: I get a feeling like that's kind of how it's going to go with uh, OVP, but we'll see what they uh, do with their royal rankings. Check out our vantage point, uh, ovppodcast.com, for more on that great podcast. Also, greetings from Allentown with PW, Peter Winson. Each and every week, he takes one single episode of wrestling television and uh, completely goes off track brings up his own stories, talks about weddings and cats and beer and all this kind of things, brings it all back together in the end, ties up in a nice bow. Greetings from Allentown is the name of the podcast. You can find it on his own feed or the Pro Wrestling Only feed on Place to Be Nation. And finally, the Rundown Wrestling Podcast with Jason Stewart, Troy, all the rest over there on the Rundown Wrestling Podcast feed. It is now the Rundown Wrestling Network. And the best way to find out about what's going on on the network, so many shows, go to rundownwrestling.com. That is the best place to find out all the latest and greatest from the Rundown Wrestling Podcast feed. Brian, let's talk about last week's podcast, all right? Episode 143, Favorite Gimmicks of the 1980s. Is there anything that you want to go back and... uh Rectify you want
1: No, won- I mean I think we I think we gave a pretty extensive
0: list, did we not? I think we did too. I mean Glenn Abbott at GA Wrestle Nut he brought up Coco Beware as one of his favorites. He said, uh, never work with animals or children, they say, but he was brave enough to have a parrot without too many disasters. <laughs>
1: I mean Coco Beware's greatest uh gift of pro wrestling to me was his uh, vocals on the on the pile driver album.
0: It sounds like a fight, it sounds like an augment it sounds just like a pile driver. Come on, you got to put a little more soul on that, Mike. I uh, like I can't at this point. Uh, <laughs> Steven at hhh guy two thousand four said the Big Boss Man was very over in the Page House, so he agrees with you in terms of the Big Boss Man.
1: I actually knew that because his dad—that's uh, his dad's like go-to shirt when it comes to wrestling shows—a Big Boss Man shirt.
0: And I hear his dad is doing better, so that's I great I heard, to yeah, hear.
1: he's home. Glad to, glad to hear. I know Steven and his dad, I think, we'll both listen uh, to the show. So glad to hear he's doing better and back home. And uh, let's keep him there. Let's uh, stay out of the hospital there, sir.
0: Yes, exactly. And uh, let's talk about booking the territory. We just mentioned the podcast, but they say, Crockett, we're disappointed in you. Give Brian Malonus credit. He had JYD on there. But when Crockett asked what was his gimmick, I lost all hope for Crockett.
1: <laughs> so I'm not the only one.
0: What is Junkyard Dog's gimmick? He's a dog. He's a literal dog? Yes. Why are you silent? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm speechless. <laughs> You're without speech? I'm without speech. <laughs> That's very rare. Maybe he can explain. Maybe Mike Mills from Booking the Territory can break down the full Junkyard Dog gimmick for me. It's a little hazy on my end.
1: Good luck, Mike. Mike Mills, that is. Good luck to Mike Mills explaining that to you.
0: But the biggest piece of news to come out of last week's episode, Brian, we have a verdict. We talked about the Doctor of Style Slick, and I asked everyone because you didn't think Slick was a pimp. No, I still I still don't. I was adamant that Slick, the Doctor of Style, his gimmick was that he was a pimp. Was not. And we put it up to a poll at the WPAN on Twitter, And the two choices were Hell Nah and Exactigly. And 62% said, is the Dr. Style Slick a pimp? Exactigly. Well. So yes, the verdict is in. Dr. Style Slick is a pimp. Thank you. You know what they say about America in
1: 2019, buddy? What does that mean? Take it for whatever you want it to mean. (laughs) <laughs>
0: it means whatever the hell you want it to mean. <laughs> I'll drop you like a bag of dirt, Brian. Well, Will you know? <laughs> All right, Brian, let's talk about this new segment, this new game. Because usually we do something called Making Towns or Made Up Clowns. That's where I exhaustively pour through the results of a bunch of independent shows and single out funny, strange, or interesting matches from these events. But last time out, we did something a little different. We looked at Pro Wrestling Illustrated's PWI 500 from 1998, and I read you names, and you told me if they were actual pro wrestlers or ones that I made up. So, Brian, we're going to do that again in a segment we are now calling Fake or 500. (laughs) All right. What the hell happened to your microphone? Uh, Anyway... This time we are looking at the PwI five hundred for the year two thousand three. Now, quick, Brian, do you know who number five hundred was that year?
1: Number five
0: hundred? Yes, Mister Ulala? No, it wasn't. Um, it's someone that we know, though that we were very close to. I don't. I don't know. Lifesaver, Billy Kay.
1: <laughs> Am I shit
0: factor? <laughs> yes. I'm a shit factor. Am I shit factor? Also known as Chad Dick in WWE. <laughs> Billy K was number 500 in 2003.
1: Wow, I'd, I'd forgotten all about that.
0: Well, I'm here to remind you, Brian. That's what I'm here to do.
1: I think I've blocked out a lot of interactions with uh, Billy Kryptonite, Chad Dick, i shit factor because that dude was a crackpot. <laughs> We could probably do a pretty entertaining episode on Billy Crypt tonight.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah. So, Brian, let's get into it right now. Let's go to number 160 in the PWI 500 from
1: 2003. This should be somebody important. Up that high.
0: Well, his name is Trash. <laughs> the 160th best wrestler in the world. Trash in 2003. Fake or 500.
1: Uh, just the the number and the fact that I haven't heard of this person and, and this person is up that high doesn't pass the whiff test for me, Mike. I'm gonna say fake.
0: I'm gonna tell you 500.
1: Wow, really? He must have been. Uh, he must have worked for. A, he must have known somebody at the magazine. Let's put it that way. He Must
0: have. I I, I think uh, this man was also known. His full name was Trailer Park Trash, and he worked a lot in. OVW, which was a, he, so he was around a lot of the the top talent wrestling at the time, 2003. You know, OVW is a developmental territory. Trailer Park Trash was one of the you know homegrown guys who was around all the people like your John Cena's, like your Randy Orton's. Uh, so Trailer Park Trash was there, and somehow he was among them. Number one sixty, Trash. So, yes, that is a guy who was in the PWI 500 that year.
1: Well, I think that's trash. <laughs>
0: okay. Well, let's move on to number 233, Brian. Tenacious Z. Isn't Tenacious Z um, uh, Zach Gowan? Yes, it is, Brian. You got it. I thought I could swing it by you. All right. Yes. He went on to be known in WWF as Zach Gowan, but he was, yeah, just a, a one legged wrestler on the Indies named Tenacious Z in two thousand.
1: He's not the wrong one legged wrestler, he's the right one. <laughs> he is.
0: So yeah, you got that one. Okay, let's move on a bit further down the list, number three sixty-five. Epi the fat Samoan. <laughs> <Okay>. Um <laughs> <laughs> Epi, the Fat Samoan.
1: <laughs> oh, I like I like the name. I don't know. Let's see. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this was a real <laughs> this is a real wrestler.
0: You are correct, sir.
1: All right. Do I get well, do I have to say 500?
0: Yes, yes, yes. Uh,
1: oh, okay, I'm not I'm not even playing the game right here.
0: No, you're not. But uh, it's Phat. He is the Phat Samoan.
1: So he's like, uh,
0: so he's Rikishi? <laughs> I, I guess so, yes, I guess so. Also known, his real name is Chris Richter, and he is known these days as Richter Reigns, so he's still in someone else's gimmick now. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. So, number 365 is indeed Epi, the fat Samoan. Let's move on to 380, Brian. Dirk Sigler. <laughs> Dirk Sigler C-I-G-L-A-R.
1: Sounds an awful lot like Dolph Ziggler. Hmm. You know, Mike. I mean, they, I don't. I, I don't remember what year Boogie Nights came out, but I feel like it was before this. I'm gonna say fake, Mike. I, I think you made this one up.
0: Dirk Sigler you say, wasn't number 380 in the PWI 500 that year in the year 2003. You are incorrect. Wow. Dirk Sigler. Yes indeed. He uh yeah, basically a ripoff of Dirk Diggler from the uh from the deal there.
1: Maybe maybe Dolph Ziggler was a fan of Dirk Sigler. <laughs>
0: <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. You might be on to something there. So yes, Dirk Sigler Brian, also known as Richard Swinger. Get it?
1: <laughs> oh, Alright.
0: His nickname, the Screaming Climax. Oh, well, it
1: sounds very 2003-ish.
0: <laughs> so he's from Mount Pleasant, Pennsylvania. Oh boy. So anyway,
1: this guy's just full of full of good stuff, huh? Oh my he's, god, he's
0: full of it, Brian. Let's move on to number 418 in the 2003 edition of the PWI 500. It's the cod Father.
1: <laughs> the cod, like like cod, the fish.
0: That's what I'm reading.
1: Fishing ain't easy. <laughs> fishing ain't, fishing ain't easy, man. <laughs> Let's see, The Codfather. Well, I mean, they've all been real so far, so uh, I could see somebody coming up uh, in 2003 stealing a WWF gimmick, because we've already had kind of that already. So I'm going to say The cod Father is 500, Mike.
0: The cod Father? is indeed 500 and i really <laughs> don't have any information on him <laughs>
1: well good stuff
0: <laughs> i really don't see anything he, he's a mystery but he was indeed in the 2003 pwi 500 number 418 right next door brian number 419 in the pwi 500 that year yes the bouncer that son
1: of a bitch. <laughs> well, Mike, the secret's out. Uh, you know, me and Bruiser just stole, uh, you know, stole the bouncer gimmick from this fella. Um, not really, because he's fake, Mike. He's not real. You're trying to mess with my head.
0: Well, Brian, it's real, my friend. Oh boy, the bouncer. And I found this list online, obviously. I clicked on it, and it said it was Chris Duffy, the wrestler from... Uh, Killer Kowalski-trained wrestler from the Boston area. I couldn't find any inf- other information about how he was the bouncer. It doesn't make sense to me. I, I tend to think that it's uh, fake news, if you will, but that's what it said. The bouncer was Chris Duffy, but take that for what it's worth. It's online. And here I,
1: here I thought you were the number one... Or just Chris Duffy fan on Earth.
0: I I yeah, something I don't know, apparently. Okay, 422, just a couple away from the bouncer. Stamp lickage.
1: <laughs> like not stamp lickage. Stamp?
0: Stamp. S-T-A-M-P.
1: Oh, oh, oh. So it is stamp stamp lickage.
0: Yes. <laughs> what
1: the hell? Speaking of favorite gimmicks of all time, Stamp lickage. <laughs> Um God, I'm you know, I'm gonna say fake just in the hopes that somebody didn't actually wrestle under this name.
0: <laughs> well, Cincinnati, Ohio's own Stamp Lickage, would uh like to punch you in the face.
1: Oh my god. I should ask BJ Whitmer about this guy, because he's also from Cincinnati, so maybe maybe he knows Stamp Lickage.
0: Well, he did wrestle in the Heartland Wrestling Association two matches, he says, in 2004. But other than that he spent a lot of time In wrestling and respect
1: Oh okay
0: So and the NWF But Stamp Lickage uh, Stayed around his home base I guess he couldn't get uh, Enough postage to leave the area (laughs) Waka waka So yeah Stamp Lickage is a real Professional wrestler number 422 In the 2003 PWI 500 One more here Brian number 495 just five away from 500 flat-faced Jeremy
1: <laughs> not friend of Faye Jeremy
0: no <laughs>
1: flat-faced Jeremy good god um, well uh, based on the track record here Mike I'm gonna say he's 500
0: and you're right All of these are actual members of the PWI 500 for the year 2003 Flatface Jeremy is a real professional wrestler 495 in that year's PWI 500 And more about Flatface Jeremy uh, He's from Canada He's also known as just Flatface
1: <laughs> yeah, All right it, is there a
0: picture? Is his face flat? I, no, there's no picture here. There's no picture. So, sadly, sadly, we don't know how flat his face actually is. But he is a multi-time NCW television champion, I'll tell you that much.
1: Hmm it sounds like flat jeremy sounds like a nickname that our, our good friend warbeard hansen would have given to uh, <laughs> an ugly kid named jeremy who came to the school <laughs> yeah and, and it just stuck
0: and he ended up having it on one show and that's just how he became known so that's what he became
1: <laughs> yeah this was this was a, a handsome johnny special here flat jeremy
0: I think you're correct. So, Flat Face Jeremy, uh, immortalized forever in the PWI 500 for the year 2003. And that right there is fake or 500, Kingpin.
1: And they were all 500.
0: All right. It's time for this week's promo about nothing. But before we get into that, Brian, you are hitting the highways and byways, crisscrossing this great nation of ours, ply your trade as a professional wrestler. Dates...
1: Yeah, this weekend, Mike, I am heading to the great state of Texas for the first time, uh, not just to wrestle, but ever. I've never been to Texas, so very, very excited. Brian. Yeah.
0: The stars at night are big and bright, deep in the heart of Texas.
1: Are you done? Yeah,
0: you have to sing that once you get down there.
1: <laughs> That's not true. Uh, but I will hopefully have some delicious barbecue and maybe some... Uh, I've heard Houston I should go, which is... Uh, I'll go in order here, Mike. Here we go. Here's how we'll, here's how we'll do it. Uh, Good. Friday night, uh, January the 25th, I'm heading to Houston, Texas for uh, Ring of Honor. Uh, so I've heard that I should get barbecue in Houston. Uh. And then the very next night, January the 26th, I'm heading to San Antonio, and I was told I should get Mexican food in San Antonio. So Really? Yeah, so it's Tag Wars, Mike, and, and Brian Malone is feasting across the great state of Texas.
0: <laughs> feasting on the talent and feasting on the food.
1: And maybe I'll see
0: you Sunday night. Oh, yeah, the Rumble. We'll get together, I, I, perhaps. If
1: I, yeah, if I, if, I, if I am there, i will literally stepping off a plane and driving straight to uh, our good friend Brian Fury's house. <laughs> so we'll see how that plays out.
0: And the good thing about not talking about uh, current wrestling a lot these days is you won't have to come and record a podcast. No,
1: perfect. (laughs) There's no way I would anyways. (laughs) There you go. So anyways, back to my schedule. February 1st, Friday night, I'll be returning to Chaotic Wrestling in Lowell, Massachusetts in a scramble for the New England Championship, which I've held twice before. Maybe third time's a charm. I've held, uh, Jesus Christ, I don't even know how many times I've held the tag titles at this point. I've had like 74 different partners. Uh, But maybe I'll match my number of heavyweight title reigns with a New England title reign that remains to be seen and then Mike uh, some more Ring of Honor dates coming up here February 9th I'm heading to Lakeland Florida for Ring of Honor and then the 10th I am heading to Miami Florida again for Ring of Honor uh, ROHwrestling.com for tickets and details the TV tapings can be seen weekly uh, on on whatever local uh, Sinclair Broadcasting Syndicate that you watch or Nesson in the New England area and then uh, Honor Club for all of the live events that you can stream live everything is streamed there are no more, no more dark, uh, no more dark shows or dark matches. So everything's on Honor Club, and I'll take one more opportunity, Mike, to promote Astromania coming up on March the 30th in Derry, New Hampshire. Uh, it's an association with the Pinkerton Academy Class of 2019. Uh, myself partnering with Liberty States Wrestling. I mean, on that show you'll see all the stars of Liberty States Wrestling: Todd Sopel, Vern Vicalo, Robo, the Punjabi Lion, Sethrin, and Vanity Vixen, uh, Mistress Belmont, Davian, and of course. Myself and the Beer City Bruiser making his New Hampshire debut. The Bouncers will be in attendance. We'll be drinking root beer that night, though.
0: He's the Root uh, Beer City Bruiser <laughs> <laughs> because you're at a uh, academy, if you will.
1: Correct. We're at a school, a Pinkerton Academy. So, uh, please, you know, if you're if you are in the New England area. Come out and support this great show. It's a it's for a great cause, and uh, I think we've really put together a, a really good lineup here. Uh, it's going to be a fun night of pro wrestling. Tickets are just $15, so astromania.lsw.com. Tickets moving for that thing? Yeah, tickets are moving pretty well, uh, both on the online and uh, over at the Academy itself. So go ahead, get your tickets now, because uh, buying them online ahead of time gets you in earlier. Uh, it's general, general mission seating for the floor and the bleachers, so
0: if you buy your tickets ahead of time, you get in the door earlier and get a better seat. There you go. So do that, astromanialsw.com. And if you want to book the Kingpin as a professional wrestler, email BrianMalonis at Comcast.net or DM him on the Twitter at Brian Malonis. All right. Promo abundant nothing, Kingpin, the year 1987. And for the second Rico in a row, we're going to the National Wrestling Alliance to Jim Crockett Promotions. And this is an old favorite, Brian because my grandfather, David Crockett, is standing by with two gentlemen who we're very fond of, who I mentioned last week, uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek as one of my favorite gimmicks of the 80s. It is Chris Champion. It is Sean Royal. It is the new breed. Yes, Yes, back on the promo about nothing. Let's take a listen to this week's promo about nothing. I love these guys.
1: With me now, the new breed, Sean Royal and Chris Champion.
0: Was that beautiful or what, Crockett? The new breed is something else. I want to say one thing. I've been a computer psychologist for quite a long time. But never in my years have I ever seen a malfunction such as the one with this Lasertron. His Series 5 implant and his CDU unit are messed up bad. And we're going to fix him with the Alvia solution. We're going to straighten him out. And you're going to be in cyber sedation, my man. And you're never ever going to have to worry about the new breed, Boogie Woogie, or anybody else. And this Boogie Woogie reminds me of the fleshlings on Utopias. Big in the belly and empty in the head, my man. Tell him, Sean. You know, as we went last week, we took our spare time and traveled to the moons of Beta. When we traveled and arrived there, we saw the grand wizard of all mind projection. We told him of our problem with the boogeyman and the robotic moped Lasertron. We said, what can we do? The only solution is a series five implant. You heard him. We'll be back with more action. So, Brian, how difficult would this be? First of all, you have to remember all these spots in this match. They're just coming from a match, the new breed. And then you're going to remember all these awful terms and just these nonsensical fucking CDU units and <laughs> fleshlings on Utopias. Like, fleshlings? Uh, wh- that sounds like, uh, I don't know, very provocative. It is very provocative, and it's very, very stupid as well, Brian. (laughs) So he is a computer psychologist as Chris Champion. Do you know this?
1: Yeah, apparently. And, uh, you know, Mike, um, I think Sean Royal, you know, was probably overlooked for the role of Gordy in Ready to Rumble. I do want to say that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah he's something else the the best part of this to me is watching him talk but looking at chris champion just staring deadly (laughs) into like just dead eyes into the and into the camera just like you can tell going through his mind is like oh my god this fucking guy
0: (laughs) yeah just dead eyes mouth agape just staring blankly not selling what he's saying he's just hoping and praying in his head that he gets through it (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah because chris champion i mean he, what he's saying is nonsense but at least he can articulate it and put it together i mean it's a solid promo it's just fucking nonsense what he what, what he's saying uh this gimmick is stupid but uh sean royal man he is just like so terrible uh, yeah I, I don't know man these guys are great we could we could just do them every week for promo about nothing and i'd be a happy man
0: yeah I mean Chris Champion if he has a series five implant, Sean Royal has like a series negative twelve.
1: <laughs> I think that's pretty uh, I think that's pretty accurate.
0: and of course, Sean Royal went to the moons of the Grand Wizard of all Mind projection.'t um, I,
1: I mean you don't even know like
0: like what the hell they're they're talking about. It's just completely nonsensical. I just want to like be on the car rides with these two guys, is they're going from town to town. Chris Champion, I'm sure, is in the back with a notebook, and they're just like, what can we say? How about, give me a, a planet. Okay, Utopius. All right, great, great, great. Now, who are the inhabitants of Utopias? Like, They should be talking about wrestling, and I'm sure they're sitting there spending hours and hours writing up all this absolute gibberish that they're saying in these promos.
1: Yeah, you figure, yeah, there has to be a lot of... Um a lot of like, thought put, it, put into these. Um, it, 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 I'll tell you what, I'd have a whole new appreciation for these fellas if all of this was off the cuff.
0: <laughs> I'm guessing not, though. I'm guessing not. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that's a pretty safe bet. And I can just imagine when you tell these guys, hey, you guys have a match uh, at the, the TV taping. They're like, oh, great, great, great. This is going to be good. Uh, you have a promo afterwards. Oh, Fuck. not only do we have to do the match we got to come up with more fucking horse shit to talk about about the moons of gandor and all of the uh troglodytes that are you know invading earth in the year 2012 (laughs) See, that was off the cuff kingpin that was off the cuff
1: (laughs) there you go look at that you're you're a master
0: Thank you very much. Well, you heard this promo about nothing. If you want the full picture, find the link to the video in the description of this episode or at the WPAN.com. All right, Kingpin, that is it for us this week. We are back here next Monday for episode 145 of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Till then, he is the Kingpin Brian Malonis. I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko. And thanks for nothing.